You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. And we are back with an all-new episode of Keep It. I'm Ira Madison III. I'm Louis Fertel. I like introducing myself with a little flair like I'm running PBS's Masterpiece Theater. Well, you know, th- this is a this is a sad week for us because we've been we've been exposed as Dumois. Oh, I know. That does <laughs> suck. Yeah. We had a good run. Uh, that has been one of my favorite things that happened this week, by the way. The fact that um, Brian Feldman, a uh, journalist who I adore, um, I love his writing, literally just was like, hey, what if um, you actually just did a search on the internet and found out who they are? <laughs> People are like, wait a minute, I can just type things into Google? Tell me more. I can do journalism, um, which, by the way, is I agree with his reasoning that we like should know who they are at this point. They've got a book coming out. They've got an HBO Max show. Yeah. I don't think you can be anonymous anymore if you have a TV show. All right. Imagine These... if Aaron Spelling was anonymous for decades. <laughs> yeah. This person can't be going to meetings with networks in just a hoodie and like blackness shielding his face anymore. <laughs> Um, and of course, it's just, you know, white women with money in New York. Which is a pilot I've been trying to sell for years. So um, <laughs> why aren't they biting? Uh, imagine it being any, imagine Dumois being anything other than white women living in New York with their obsession with Cipriani and Carbone yeah. and Balthazar. Right, right, right. It's like I've brought this reference up before when the uh, in Wayside School, when the the mysterious smelly person in the in the trench coat turns out to just be a dead rat. Uh, like uh, uh, there's layers and layers and layers and underneath. <laughs> in, in this case, it's just it's just a pile of white women. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Hiding Is behind doorways and stuff. Yeah. Is that America's secret? That's right. Wow. I'm writing a poem now. All the evil is white women hiding behind a pile of clothes. (laughs) I have not thought about Smelly Kid in forever. And honestly, I would love a Wayside Story TV show. I know. Truly. I mean, it it was sort of like a watered down Roald Dahl experience in that those books written by Lewis Sacker, who most people I think know because he wrote Holes. But those books were like, it was about a school and they built the school sideways on accident. So it was a hundred stories tall and it was supposed to just be flat. And uh, all the kids had like slightly strange, peculiar stories. The teacher was a little wacky. And then the, the gym teacher or the quote unquote yard teacher, a, a phrase I have never heard elsewhere in life, um, uh, is like the normal one. And uh, was the 13th floor was missing, right? Right. Which is kind but, of ahead of its time, yeah. But people did have classes there. Yeah. 
<laughs> you know what? That's a pretty cute idea. <laughs> oh yeah, and you were supposed to look I've, for it, and you couldn't get there, and yeah. Mm-hmm. I should I should reread those. I bet they I bet they're a scream. Yeah. Um, well, we've got an exciting episode this week. Um, Jesse Tyler Ferguson joins us. Who is one of us in every way, a Broadway gay, an Akbar going gay in Los Angeles, um, actress-oriented man. So he brings joy. Yeah, we talk about Take Me Out. Um, we talk about um, his new Spotify original podcast, um, a Pride and Prejudice adaptation, because every gay man has one of those now. And by every gay man, you do mean two. But yes, they yes. are. There are multiple ones this summer. Yes, shout out to our friend uh, Joel Kim Booster, whose movie Fire Island will be coming out soon, and is an adaptation of Pride and Prejudice set on the uh, idyllic Fire Island gay paradise, which we'll also be talking about today. Yeah, because we're going to talk about uh, our favorite gay vacation destinations. We're turning into a travel podcast this week. Um, because I want some Marriott points. <laughs> you think they just start hurling them at you if you're like, you know what city is great? Cleveland. <laughs> uh, we're also going to get into why um, Florence and the Machine is being forced to make TikToks. It's just not right. Uh, think about her flowy tresses. They don't. They belong on Jupiter, not TikTok. <laughs> All right, we'll be back with more. Keep it. Summer is here, which means it's time to start planning those vacation getaways. So keep it as going full travel pot this week and telling you about some of our favorite and not so favorite vacation spots. You know what my favorite spot is? Go ahead. Shutter Island. <laughs> you love a flop 2000s. I guess, I guess that movie does have defenders, but you love uh, yeah, a dreary 2000s dystopia. <laughs> you just locked me up in a psych ward. Oh, sure. No, the, the public has been begging. Um, uh, I was going to say you said summer's here. And that reminds me, my the ultimate summer song of all time is Dancing in the Street by Martha and the Vandellas. And I am now officially requesting it play wherever I go this summer. Is that the official song of a summer? I, I think it's the best one ever. And you know who wrote it? The Vandellas? No, the, no, they did not sit around and write it. Um, <laughs> Marvin Gaye. Mm, that makes sense. That makes yeah. sense. I, I like Heat Wave more than I like Dancing in the Street. I actually have to leave now. Okay, and here's the thing. You would think I like that one more because Linda Ronstadt did a version, but no, Dancing in the Street is it. And I don't even like the Mick Jagger version. Or mm, uh, he and Mick, uh, David Bowie are like, clapping like there's no other word true faggots and uh, <laughs> <laughs> um you know i also like you know there's there's been so many songs that have come out after that but i'm we're gonna have to revisit that okay. at some point actually probably during this episode i'm gonna think of i'm gonna think of other ones like classic summer songs yeah well, also you know. a shout out to something I need to hear every year, and I don't hear enough at Pride. Hey, Mr. DJ by Jean A, which I think is the ultimate, shall we say, cookout anthem. Okay. Okay. All right. Anyway. Yeah, sorry. Oh, yeah. Gay destinations. Can you tell I'm not a travel blogger? Is that coming across? Okay. Um, You're going to 
Palm Springs for Memorial Day. Yes. As most L.A. gays are wont to do. Right. Which is, by the way, a controversial choice now because they are so anti-music in Palm Springs, as in in most places in Palm Springs, which is this two-hour jaunt from L.A. And, uh, you know, it's like a, a desert city, but just... The weather is always perfect, even if it's boiling, because it's never humid there. So it has a sort of glamorous mid-century vibe. Everything looks like the cast of Bewitched hangs out there and drinks. Um, but in Palm Springs, now it's run by a sort of hostile to tourist demographic that can't stand music. So if you play music even slightly loud at your Airbnb, you could get kicked out of your Airbnb like in the middle of the day, which happened to me and my friends, we literally played like literally the, a whisper of a Christina Aguilera song was heard over the hills and somebody got mad and called the cops over to our place. So anyway, was it's it a, Reverend Moore. It, it, <laughs> you'd think you'd think. Um, <laughs> but um, otherwise, I, I love Palm Springs. Though. Do you know what my favorite thing about Palm Springs is? That's like dorky and only for people like us. The Palm Springs Walk of Fame. Have you you know what I'm talking about? Yes, you've brought up the the Palm Springs Walk of Fame before. You love this place. I don't think I've ever visited it. Okay, well, it's just on the main drag in Palm Springs, which is like an H&M and cute restaurants. And you walk down, and the stars say things like, it has all of their quote-unquote hyphenate credits. It'll be like, uh, Beverly Johnson, uh, model, actress, humanitarian. It's like, okay, I guess. I mean, she probably donated to charity at some point in her life. But it's just, it, it's so, there's, the PR that they're doing is just written on the stones on the street. That's different than here in LA where you just see a name and, a, you know, a, a movie camera icon. I would love for you to be boots on the ground at someone's um, getting their square on the Palm Springs Walk of Fame. Oh, yeah. And it's someone like Ross Matthews or something. Yeah. But like, when's the last time that it was added to? You know what? They look newish. That said, it does also have the feeling of being abandoned, which is uh, a nice trick. All right. Well, Scooby and the gang can wander around and figure out that mystery. (laughs) Um, I won't be in Palm Springs. Well, I'll be in Europe the entire summer. Wow. Never heard of it. Yeah. Um, Well, maybe you should watch more Carmen Sandiego, Lewis. Oh. I just made a reference to her and my Kimmel thing last week. And I have to say, I go to that reference too often, but all right. Mm-hmm. I, you know what? I, so, so people always make that joke about me too. When it's like, I, I don't even know where you live these days. And I was like, you know what? Make a Thomas Crown Affair joke. There we go. That's much better. Also, by the way, it has to be the original Thomas Crown Affair, even though the other one is better with Rene Russo, because uh, Faye Dunaway's hair in the original Thomas Crown Affair, second to none. The chignon of all time. It's like it's like a Wetzel's pretzel, what she does with her hair. You know, I've never seen the Steve McQueen and Faye Dunaway version. And you get, of course, the amazing Windmills of Your Mind song, uh, the Michelle Legrand Oscar winner. Anyway, uh, I was going to ask you about Palm Springs, though, quickly. Don't you think one of the best bars in the world, which has changed names over the years, is that Broadway Quads. bar? Is, yeah, isn't Quads. that the best? Yeah. It, there should be more bars that specifically let you sing Broadway songs and play Broadway clips as well. Last night, I took friends who were visiting from Canada to a hardware bar in New York. Uh, and there was like a um, drag, um, sort of like Broadway, um, you know, inspired show. Uh, and that was so much fun. 
No, no, this this bar in Palm Springs, you go in, it's like it's not too big or anything, and they are playing VHS as in somebody has somehow physically taped together Broadway clips like on a on a VHS. It, that's what it seems like to me. It's what it looks like. They play them on this screen. They're always the same Broadway clips. You always get whatever best little whorehouse in Texas. You always get Tony's performances. You always get Victor Victoria, etc. And people just scream along to this shit. And it's people of all ages because, you know, Broadway showtones still, I think, unites generations of gays. You know, that's still something that connects everybody. And it's everybody wants a, those bright lights, Lewis. Right. I guess. I guess. Um, <laughs> and it's I, I just love it. There's no other place like it. I mean, I guess there's probably places like that in New York. But out here in California, we are like at a loss for I mean, Broadway themed that, stuff. There's I think the edge in SF also has like a Broadway night. I think there's Broadway nights places. Mm-hmm. But this is the only bar I've located where it is this every single day. Yeah. And I think we actually need more of that. For sure. No, and, and like uh, they'll play God Bless America and pass out flags for when Kate Smith starts singing it. Kate Smith, dead name. Bars like this keep them alive. Thrilled for it. I also love um the like the the person who put plays like the videos at um quads like is is very like persnickety um about what sort of video you request like don't go and request like define gravity right you know like you need some taste and which is why i always pull out of my back pocket don't walk away from xanadu mm. which do they play that there i feel like i've seen a lot of they cheyenne play, jackson and some there. shorts on this uh, on, on this yeah role they, of film. they they played it there, but like that one's that one's. I feel like that one is a good. I requested last night. Um, Don't walk away by Xanadu, and you know I think I feel like that's always a song that you can use to impress people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I actually do know Broadway, but it's also like you can impress people because like people usually request like um, Roxy, right, from Chicago. I'm calling out my friend Emmett for doing that last night. He was like, "Do you think I can request Ro- Roxy from Chicago?" And I said. Go ahead and do it, knowing that the drag queen would mock him. <laughs> yes, we've all heard of that show that we can't escape at any given moment. <laughs> I feel like for the first time, I will get to experience maybe some of the like um, European, you know, like gay vacation destinations the girls are always going to. Yeah, you know, I've like, never been to like Mykonos. Been to Mykonos. Yeah, what could what could go on there? I have no idea. It sounds like there's a beach. I mean, Lindsay Lohan. Um, right. Is she the is I'm, she the definitive uh, Mykonos representation over the past few years? That time when she was dancing with that wet, heavy, long hair. Yeah, there's also the chance that I might find my long lost father and two potential ones. Right on uh, that island. <laughs> da- I was going to say Daddy Mia, but actually that's just the that's just Mama Mia. So, <laughs> um, and then you know, there's other places that the girls love, um, like. There's this Fire Island, which I still have not been. I went last year and I, in fact, did an episode of Keep It from Fire Island. I was right there in the trenches. It was my good morning Vietnam, if you will. And uh, I remember I, I, I either had a lot of questions. Oh, no. Uh, literally, <laughs> I set up my recorder and my Zoom to face a little bit out the window and just the the, the queens passing back and forth. It was like its own one act play of uh, <laughs> intrigue and contempt but um here's what i'll say about fire island it 
really is, as most people would describe it, gay summer camp in that everybody is situated in close little houses, separated by a wooden pier. There's not much, like, there's only like a couple places you can eat on this island. Uh, food is, in fact, something you should kind of plan ahead of time if you're going. It's also, if you book any time within a year of staying there, incredibly expensive. I will be there uh, uh, July 4th with a bunch of my friends. Uh, but first of all, they have great Broadway representation. There's always like some Broadway night in their big performance hall where they play clips of whatever hairspray. And then people get up and dance on stage to hairspray and come off. And they all sing the songs from sister act as all the nuns. And then, you know, you go off into your night. And then it's also gay sex Olympics, which is to say you feel like you're there and they have entrance from every continent there. You're like, oh, here I am meeting the most built person from Moldova. Here I am meeting, you know, <laughs> the horniest man from Peru, uh, which, you know, obviously it's fun to meet people from, who are f- from all over the place just to come together and be gay. It also is because of Instagram to me. It's likely you will meet people who are there just to kind of connect in an influencer style. And I do have to say, I find that a little depressing. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I mean, like, I haven't been, um, you know, yet, but I'm I'm sure it's in my cards at some point, you know? Um, I, I've, I've been to many white islands. <laughs> white Lily's Island, the uh, follow-up Natalie Ambrulia album to Left of the Middle? Oh, Fantasy Island. I've been oh. to Fantasy Island. Man, yeah. fan- Fantasy Island, I'm sure that's been rebooted over the years, but what an amazing idea. So for- many fucking times. Yeah, but right. We keep trying. The original is still still iconic. Absolutely. Um, I've never been to Provincetown. I became educated about it watching an early cut of the Billy Eichner movie Bros, which has mm-hmm. a big Provincetown scene. Uh, it's going to be a great movie, by the way. This summer, the, the gays are, shall we say, eating. And not just ass. <laughs> Why don't I write ad copy? Why? (laughs) (laughs) This summer, the gays are eating, and not just ass. The Mexican pizza is back at Taco Bell. (laughs) (laughs) Picture Dolly Parton saying that. Okay, great. (laughs) And not just ass. Yeah. Um. I also have not been there yet, but I believe a friend of mine is going to be like DJing like a little residency there or like at some point towards the end of the summer. So mm. may come back for that. I'm trying to think of where else I'm going this summer. By the way, I travel because my job has hiatuses in it. I understand this would be generally pretty difficult. Um, but then again, the amount of gay people that are there, I guess everybody has a job you do from home now or you do once a week. I have no idea how these people pull it off. But Vacation days. And they only save them for these specific gay events. I guess. Th- but it's like, does everybody have 25 vacation days? It just seems so extreme. Yeah, I, I feel. I, you know what? I, I feel like gays are more adept at that, definitely, because they. I do have friends who I'm, I'm always like, "How are you in Dubai?" Yeah, no, it doesn't make sense. I how do are, think. How are you in the Maldives? Like, <laughs> you, don't you have to work? <laughs> I do think gays are the masters of out of office emails. Like mm. when you when you read a sharply written out of office email, like. That queen's getting laid on a continent you've never even heard of. Um, <laughs> Baby, I am going officially on my book leave on tomorrow uh, when this episode drops, uh, which means that aside from 
doing this podcast, um, people will not be hearing from me. And I am so, I am, I am horny at the fact of being able to write out of office email that is basically like two and a half months long. Yeah. Oh, that's exciting. Eat ass, pray love. That's what you're going to be doing. <laughs> I'm going to stay on this beat. I think it's funny. <laughs> and not a single piece of book writing. No. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I'm worried about your productivity. It does concern me. Um, uh, the other the other thing I'm going to do this summer is I always go to Market Days in Chicago, which is in August. And uh, I'm from the Chicagoland never, area. Well, I have not been back since... Since I left Chicago from yeah. living there, I haven't been back to Market Days, and it's also unfortunate because I miss Chicago. I, it's I miss it's one of the best gay cities for me. I really enjoy it. But you're at least from the suburbs, yeah. You know, so if you visit home, you can go into Chicago. I'm from Milwaukee, so if I visit home, just the travel alone to be like, oh, okay, I'm gonna go to Chicago while I'm already in Milwaukee, it's just like exhausting to me oh yeah uh, it's not like when i lived there and it was just like oh, okay look it's an hour and a half away you could just go down for a weekend or something and so whenever i do want to go back to chicago with friends they, people always suggest market days but like my schedule never lines up for me to go back to market days so i need another reason to go back to chicago also part if i'm driving up that highway to go to Milwaukee from Chicago. I'm stopping at Six Flags. That's where I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not making it to the brewery or where, whatever you guys do up there. I'm not making it to the Marquette alumni brunch or whatever's happening in Milwaukee that day. You're going to see this production of You're in Town at the Paps Theater, Lewis. <laughs> wow, is there a Paps Theater? Of course there is. Yeah, there's a Paps Theater. Oh, okay, I believe you. Um, market days, I will say. So it's a few days in early August. You can the, what I love about market days, and I think this makes it my favorite of all the things I've mentioned so far. Is you can do it at any speed, so you can just like hang out and do the actual fest, which is a street fair where you know the gays are wearing their crop tops and taking pictures and dancing, and there's lots of wonderful music. And inevitably, Betty Who pops up, like a, you know, a co like a Koopa Troopa out of a tube in Mario. There she is again, uh, at, like she's at most Pride festivities. But also, like, she's everywhere. Look, that she's everywhere. That's gay. I'm seeing Vincent in the concert tonight, um, and I'm sure she'll be there too. No, imagine if she weren't. It makes no sense. She's like the Slugworth of the gay community, just showing up and whispering in your ear. Um, <laughs> but uh, you, if you're like a circuit queen, if you just like warehouse parties where you're lizard brained and on Molly, I mean, there's that at market days. But then like tons of house parties around the area. It's like the most pleasant weather always. I'm never burning up in early August in Chicago, which makes no sense to me. But it's like local pride yes there is a pride like, in pride chicago pride is so corporate yeah. and like and like people like tourists and everyone comes in and i feel like people in chicago love market days because it feels more personal right it definitely has blown up like gays from all over the place definitely come there for market days but it's more uh, a, a for us by us kind of gay feeling there so i'm always not you using not you using fubu <laughs> that's what they meant right they were talking about they were talking about market days right um, <laughs> uh I, we've neglected to mention any place in Mexico like Puerto Vallarta oh, or something Mexico. or Oaxaca, but I feel like it's lots. Like I'm, I'm not coming from Mexico because I absolutely love Mexico and I can't wait to go back. Um, but as far as a gay travel destination, I feel like it's lost its luster because every faggot that we know has decided post pandemic that they want to either live there or spend like several months there. And some people's just like, I well. 
you just take up residency there. It's like the Lost no. Boys down there, you know. No. And I'm sure I'm mm. sure Mexico wants them to get the fuck out. <laughs> no, like you can just live at a cabana at Mantamar now. It makes no sense. <laughs> They're gonna adopt the Mariah Carey song as the official Mexico anthem. You know, like, like they want the white gays to get the fuck out. <laughs> um, I love Puerto Vallarta. My favorite place to go in Mexico though is Mexico City. That's just the best place to visit. I've been there with you, but yeah. Tons of stuff to do. Amazing food, people. Totally gay. Recommend it. Um, yeah, I guess that's all the gay stuff I'll be doing this summer. I don't have... Yeah. Uh, well, I'll, I will um, mostly... My, my biggest travel... The Mykonos is like a maybe. Uh, I will be in Barcelona for like 12 days on like an actual vacation. Mm. So another music festival, Primavera Sound. Oh, that sounds fun. My impression of Spain is still informed by Vega's fighting stage in Street Fighter. And I understand it's not just people standing behind a cage pumping their fist. So if it's anything yeah. other than that, tell me about it. Well, and also that's in early June. And um, I'll tell you our fans um, ahead of now, like that's in, that's in two weeks. That'll be the first time we ever go dark for a week. Oh, have we never done that before? Now, Crooked Media works us like slaves. Works our larynxes to the bone. Harriet Tubman's been trying to free us. <laughs> I, I like her passing us note. on the Underground Railroad and just being like, mm, not this. I'm going to move it along. <laughs> they're, get, they're getting checks. It's okay. Uh, <laughs> corporate slavery, mm, not really my bag. <laughs> not trying to dismantle capitalism yet. Um, speaking of... I could have saved this for my keep it, but have you seen those fucking like, I think it's at Walmart. The fact that like Juneteenth is now like a holiday. That is and interesting. You see, you see like there are napkins and plates with the phrase, it's the freedom for me being sold. I'm sorry. The, what I did with my neck, you can't see this on a podcast. <laughs> I, 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 I fell back as if, as if being punched. Um, I'm the, disgusted, but also I want to buy some. I was going to say, it would be weird if you didn't own those. So why don't you go ahead and give that your money? <laughs> uh, I'm upset because I wanted that to be our Keep It merch. Uh, it's the freedom for me. Yeah. Uh, when you listen to this podcast, I know you're thinking liberation. but <laughs> It's the trans liberation for me. That's my Stonewall merch. <laughs> it's wow it, it's the blank for me as like saleable merchandise i'm 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 shook shall we say I, I didn't realize we would we would we would hit this milestone so quickly uh that's what harriet gets for not dismantling capitalism that's right that's right anyway when we're back jesse tyler ferguson joins us and we're going to talk about broadway some more Keep It is brought to you by Barefoot Dreams. Lewis? Yes? When you see footprints in the sand, that was when I carried you in my Barefoot Dreams robe. Now, is that a Leona Lewis song? <laughs> no? Uh, if you want to bring coziness into your life, you turn to Barefoot Dreams, especially now as the brand is celebrating their 30th anniversary. With those 30 years of coziness, Barefoot Dreams celebrates being the originators of everyone's favorite luxe home blanket. And while many have attempted to duplicate their blankets, robes, and more, Barefoot Dreams' fabrication and quality cannot be replicated, so don't believe the dupes. Girl, this blanket is it. 
I effing love this blanket. I'm thinking about it right now, and I want to jump in my bed, which is sponsored by something that we'll do another ad for momentarily. Get ready. There's a reason why Barefoot Dreams has been on Oprah's favorite things list six times. Jesus, get a life, Oprah. My God. (laughs) Dressing head to toe in Barefoot Dreams is the key to comfort as their collection of ultra-soft robes, loungewear, and accessories are made with premium materials. Their products make the perfect gifts, too. Uh, I throw this thing on. I wear it like a shawl. I look exactly like Ellen Burstyn. And <laughs> I am the coziest a human being can be. Because by the way, it's still that time in Los Angeles where it's like pretty mild outside and then your apartment is cold. I can't explain mm. it. I don't know things like basic science. For Keep It listeners, you can get 15% off your first purchase at barefootdreams.com with the code KEEPIT15. Don't miss out on Barefoot Dreams soft, soothing fabrics that will bring luxury to your life. You know him from his iconic role as Mitchell Pritchett on Modern Family. And now you can see his Tony-nominated performance in the Broadway revival of Take Me Out with Patrick J. Adams and Jesse Williams. Plus, he's the narrator and executive producer of the new Spotify original podcast, Gay Pride and Prejudice. Jesse Tyler Ferguson, welcome to Keep It. Thank you. Happy to be here. Good to see you. You're also, your main credit is, of course, uh, being occasionally at gay bars where we just see you. So uh, I'm sorry we left that out. (laughs) Uh, I haven't been to a gay bar in so long. Uh, Okay, which calls to mind the schedule of a Broadway actor. How grim is it just day to day until you perform? Are you just like, you know, sort of in a bell tower? In a bubble, yeah. Um, Well, I mean, this is the first time I've ever done uh, theater also being a dad so mm-hmm. yeah you know he doesn't care that my adrenaline doesn't leave my body till two in the morning and i don't fall asleep until 2 30 <laughs> like he's ready to go at, at 6 30 a.m so it's been exhausting so i just haven't i haven't been going out the very few times i have gone out it's been it's really kicked me in the ass the next day yeah it's it's, it's oh, that makes sense. yeah yeah so it's it's oh. not, it's a different experience this this, this, this go around well, I hope you survive it because actually it sounds like it would kill me. So. <laughs> it would. You're not cut out for Lewis. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can tell. <laughs> so you are, people can't see the Zoom, but you are wearing um, a baseball cap. And I have a question. Do yeah. you care yeah. about baseball? Care about it? Mm. Um, I appreciate it. Uh, we went to, we got a, a private tour of Yankee Stadium uh, before we started performances. Um, and uh, I was happy to go. I was, you know, it's like a, a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And I was like, sure, it'll, it'll, be, it'll be interesting. It'll be fun. And I was actually shocked at how moved I was by the, by the uh, experience. Just, like, be on the field, you know, completely by myself with all the, 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 the stands empty. And, I mean, I, it was a very profound experience. And I, it made me actually really want to go back and um, see a game. I haven't. <laughs> but it made me want to. It made me think about it. <laughs> I feel like among sports movies, most of the good ones are about baseball. And I, there's yeah. like a dreamlike quality associated with the sport, which it doesn't follow any of the other ones. No, that's, that's very true. I mean, League of Our Own, you know, Field of Dreams. I mean, there, there's lots of really classic um, baseball movies. And they're also like the types of movies that I feel like you don't have to really love the game in order to get swept up with the with the story. And it's certainly the case with the play. I mean, the, the, it's more about the play take me out it's more about these relationships and these friendships and these, you know uh and what it means to be gay and, and that that um 
in that field. And, and, and it's sort of just told through the lens of baseball. I mean, that's sort of just the way that uh, the story is encapsulated, but it's, it's really not about baseball. Um, so, yeah. What's your history just with this play in general and Richard Greenberg, who also wrote uh, The American Plan? This is a playwright mm-hmm. who's written gay things for, you know, 30 some years now. Uh, just had you long experienced him? Have you have you auditioned for plays using the, his material a million times? No, but I did see this play. It was performed 20 years ago in New York and I saw it at the public theater. And then when it transferred to Broadway, I saw it two more times. And I... I you know, again, I, I'm not a huge baseball fan, but this play just really resonated with me. And specifically, the performance of Dennis O'Hare, who played the role that I'm playing now. Um, it was a great performance, and it was a, it was a it was a big performance. I mean, he was acting; he was really acting. It was it was I don't know if you saw it, but it was it was quite a performance, and just it was showy. And um, it stayed with me for a very very long time. So much so that when I picked up the play to reread it after. Um, I'm offer only now. So it, the role was just offered to me. I did an audition. Of course, of course. <laughs> oh, thank God. Okay. <laughs> but after it, was, after it was offered to me, I reread the play and like line readings that, that Dennis O'Hare gave came flooding back to me. Like, I don't remember what I had for breakfast yesterday, but I can remember the way he said that one line. So that was really intimidating to like, you know, step into these shoes that um, were obviously so beautifully filled before, but then to also figure out how to make it my own when I, like literally his performance was hanging over me. So, uh, yeah, that was my experience with the play. Um, and it has, you know, it's, it's known for these great monologues, but I would, you know, if I was auditioning for something, I'd certainly pick something shorter because they were too much, they were too long to learn. Mm. <laughs> I was lazy. <laughs> I was a lazy actor back then. Okay. Well, speaking of your iconic credits too, I think one of my favorites and probably one of Lewis's too, um, was when you were just a part-time guest judge on So You Think You Can Dance. Oh, yeah. fuck yes. <laughs> Lines flooding back to me. I'm going to Carly Rae Jepsen this one. Say great job. Or whatever. You're referencing her previous judging stint. Very funny. <laughs> I can't believe you remember that. That's, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I love that show. And I'm glad that it's back. Um, I, I, I think I, I mean, Kat Dealey and I have become very close friends um, since doing that. But I think she was like my in. Like, I was just obsessed with her. I, she's amazing I, she's at that so job. Great. She's amazing. so great. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to be her friend. And I think that's like why I initially wanted to be on the show. And then of course I fell in love with the, the, the show itself and the dancers are unbelievable. And they've all gone on to like do such great things. I mean, they're all on Broadway. They're like all they're, every single one of them was in West Side Story, the movie. Yeah. <laughs> 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 no, I truly love yeah, running no, I, into someone from So You Think You Can Dance like in the wild. And I feel like they're still mm-hmm. shocked when someone's like, you were on season seven. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I'm obsessed with like Cat Dealey. Also, like, here are your top five Carlos Catina. She had the best on. accent. I loved the opening, like, where they, where they always, like, yeah. they, they introduced all the dancers and then she joined them on stage yeah. and danced for like a few steps. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I hope you still call, talk to Cat Dealey often. I know. I, I haven't spoken to her in quite some time, actually. Um, she went back to England for a bit. So, you know, it's too complicated to call. With, when you have to put a plus in front of the number, I'm like, I'm out. Right. Um, <laughs> plus zero, zero, one. I don't know. It's too complicated. Um, but she, uh, yeah, I think she's back now. She's back in LA. She's 
doing the show again. So hopefully I'll see her soon. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, obviously the Tonys will be coming up soon and mm-hmm. you're nominated against two of your two uh, main co-stars in the mm-hmm. featured actor uh, category. I was about to ask what that's like, and I realized your entire career has been being nominated for awards against people you are in the same program as. That's right, and and then also losing, also losing. That's what you're leaving out. Uh, yeah, there was one year of Modern Family when every single adult cast member was nominated, and so I was up against three of my male co-stars: Ed O'Neill and, and Ty Burrell and Eric Stone Street, and then myself. And I was like, "Well, I'm not winning this. <laughs> You've got a legend and like two power powerhouse comedians, it's like." They're not going to go with a straight man, pardon the pun, <laughs> but like, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it is something I'm very used to. And, um, I honestly, I, I love, I love it when that happens because it's just such a testament to the fact that I'm in, I pick good ensembles and like, I'm surround myself around really talented people. I mean, I take it as a compliment. No, it, it's uh, interesting to me, though, because well, in particularly, uh, particularly because of the Emmys, where it's all about the episode you pick. Right. But in the Tonys, it's just the entire thing. So it's sort of like a different rubric, actually. 100 percent. And like, you know, the fact that you could be nominated multiple times for the same role and like you got a one shot, a one shot deal with the Tonys. And also, yeah. it's, it's you know, I, once you've been nominated, then they start to come. I'm, I'm sure some of the, 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 the voters have seen the show before the, the nomination comes out. But there is like this point where like you've been nominated and you know that there are people coming and they're watching that performance and they're deciding as they're watching that performance if they're going to vote for you or not like that is right massive pressure massive pressure and um i actually had to call out of my very that the first performances after the tony nominations came out because i i had food poisoning and i was um not to get too, too, too graphic but i was i was vomiting all night and the, the I burned my vocal cords basically. And my doctor was like, you got to take 48 hours. And it was like right after the nominations had come out and they had to like basically cancel people's tickets. Cause like, they're not allowed mm. to see the show if they're not, if they're not seeing the, the people who are nominated. So, you know, I felt like I was burdening so many people because of my, <laughs> my burned vocal cords, <laughs> but uh, you know, it's a lot of pressure. Certainly. Mm-hmm. I have never thought about that. You continue to audition for these people after you are nominated. Yeah. That is so unusual. Yeah. <laughs> I know. With like, you know, the Emmys, it's like it's in the can. They, they've edited it together. You just sort of present this thing. Like, I don't know. What do you think of this? And in my case, they're like, no, every single time. <laughs> Pass. <laughs> um, well, speaking of Tony's, um, does it feel good now to um, have a, another Tony nomination in the house? I mean, Justin has one already. He has two. He has two, right? He has two, that little fucker. He, um, I, I was, you know, after he won his first, first of all, I'm so happy for him. He's very exciting. <laughs> but, um, you know, he, I've been in this business for 25 years and I've never been nominated for a Tony Award. And he, like, dipped his toe into the pool and we're like, they're like, oh, here's a Tony. I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Shouldn't happen this easily. Um, so, yeah, he has one for Oklahoma and he has another one for The Inheritance. And we, I was having a discussion with him the other day. I was like, does a performance Tony trump two Tonys like for producing mm. like does, does like is that is that is that better or is it the same I think he, he I think his consensus was it's it's the same mm. so he's, well, I'm, I'm gonna jump in and say that it's yeah that uh, uh, so, yeah we are very we, we are very staunch especially when we talk about like EGOTs and we love um yes. we love competitive awards right yes, uh, yes. which no, is I, why I, I still question Whoopi Goldberg's Tony what because one of because hers was for like a special Tony. Yeah, it was for producing. 
Oh, interesting. Oh, and then I guess was John she Legend even on too. set? We don't know. Right. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, John and Legend. John Legend yes. too. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, let's take this up with them. <laughs> <laughs> She's a fraud. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not talented. Yeah. <laughs> she made up for it with that performance in Ghost. That's, that's for sure. Oh God! No. I mean, also, if she, if we didn't have that like Oscar win, there'd be a massive hole in terms of just like broad comedy wins. Like you would have nothing to kind of look to, right? You know, it's just you know. Honestly, thing, she right? made up for it when I she she's one of my favorite um, Broadway performances because I did see her when she was in um, Xanadu. Form? Oh, Xanadu. She did like a stint in Xanadu, and it was actually it was fantastic. I saw her do a funny thing happen on the way to the forum when she replaced Nathan Lane. And I was like, that's interesting casting. And I was like, oh, that makes so much sense. She's so great. She's great. Oh, oh, that's awesome to hear. Yeah. I completely forgot she was in that. Yeah. Is there is there a particular show you've seen the most times? Oh, um, well, when I was when I was young, um, I would second act shows a lot. Um, and I, I saw the second act of the Who's Tommy probably like 20 times. Mm. Really? Yeah. Loved, interesting choice. Loved it. Loved it. <laughs> Yeah, it's not where I thought it was going, is it? I've also seen... <laughs> no, um, and- well, I also used to bartend at the Winter Garden Theater when Cats played there, so I saw Cats probably the most mm. of any show I've ever... Been. And, and that was, you know, not by choice. Oh, I used to... <laughs> I was going to say... I used to bartend at the Majestic, and so I have seen Phantom of the Opera far too many mm-hmm. times to count. Yep. Uh, oh, my God. You bartended as well? Yeah, I did that. Uh, when I first moved to New York in 2007, I did that. I did a couple stints at, um, I did like a couple nights at a chorus line. And then I moved over to um, the entire preview and sort of like first two months of opening of um, August, Osage County. Oh, wow. That, I, saw that, I saw that show twice. Yeah. And that's a long play. Um, oh my God! Yes. Yeah, and I, 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 I worked at the gift shop across the street from Phantom of the Opera, Theater Circle. So I folded, uh, I, I, you know, I folded Phantom of the Opera T-shirts after um, the intermission break of Phantom of the Opera. People would come flooding over from the the theater because the che- the shirts were cheaper at our store than they were at the theater, and they would just <laughs> like rifle through them, like looking for that medium, looking for a medium, looking for a medium. And then after they, and then it would be like the the the, the storm would settle as the second act began and they all went back to the theater and I just had to like deal with the aftermath of a Phantom of the Opera t-shirt. <laughs> Good Lord. No, wait, what kind of insights do you have after watching cats that many times? Like, would you be looking for like just wild minutiae that none of us would even notice after a while? Um, like, I, oh, Skimble Shanks was off that night. I don't know. What are, what are the insights you would have? I, don't know. I did. If there was a new Grizabella on, I would always like stay. Cause I, I could leave after intermission because then my job was done as long as I you know, packed up the bar and like did all the, the tallies and everything. But sometimes if there was a new Grizabella, I would stay to, to hear her memory. Um, mm. And, you know, and it comes pretty late in the second act. So you really have to like commit to that. Um, I will say oh, this is kind of funny. Um, it's not, it's not answering your question, but it's a, it's a fun piece of, of trivia. I actually had a friend who was in the show. I mean, I became friends with him later in life, but he was like, Oh, I was in cats when, um, when you were bartending and, and I was like, Oh, that, that's interesting. And he was like, yeah, when you auditioned for on the town, we were all auditioning. They were all auditioning for on the town and at, at the Delacroix theater in, in, um, like 1997. Cause you know, it's a big dance show and there's three great parts and, um, for, for guys. And so all of the cast of cats was auditioning and, um, 
I ended up getting the role of Chip, the part that Frank Sinatra played in the movie. And I guess um, <laughs> my friend Abe was telling me that they were all backstage putting on their cat's makeup. And someone was like, did you hear, did, did anyone hear like what happened with, with on the town? And as they're like putting on their whiskers, they were like, yeah, the bartender got it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Just bitter, vicious cats. Bitter, that, vicious see, cat. that should be a show. Yeah, pretty People in has- cats hearing about the, <laughs> the, 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 the orbital people getting shows. That that <laughs> documentary. Pretty uh, kitty has nails. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> I, are there any, well, I mean, because you've been doing Broadway, you know, for a while, uh, are there any roles that you still, like, you want to make sure you play on Broadway before you die? Or, and conversely, oh. is there, like, a role that, like, you really wish you had gotten? Oh, uh, well, yeah. I mean, I, I've always wanted to put a baker in Into the Woods. Um, mm. And it's come, it's come into my orbit a few times. And I have never been able to make it work because of scheduling. And a lot of it was because of Modern Family. I, I was, there was two times when I could have done it. And I had to say no both times. And um, Charlie and um, Merrily We Roll Along. Um, mm. Love that uh, documentary, by the way. Oh, yeah. So good. Um, what else? I mean, I love doing... I mean, I, I, like, I, like, I like doing Shakespeare. I, I would love to play Bottom in Midsummer Night's Dream. I got to do uh, Francis Flute in the, in the park and I'd love to play bottom someday. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I like to work on I like working on new stuff. So you know, stuff that hasn't even been written yet. There's certainly people I want to work with for sure. Who is still like I- I- exciting to you? Who are you like? I've got to work with them at some point, and well, maybe you're even intimidated by them a little bit. Robert O'Hara. Um, uh, uh, I want to work with um, Rachel Chafkin. Um, uh, uh, Marianne Elliott. I mean, her her angel, her production of Angels of America is going to stick with me forever. I mean, oh, and that's another one. I mean, prior in Angels of America, I'm too old now, but like that's that's a role that slipped in my fingers. That um, also, I had the opportunity to to maybe do at one point, and the scheduling what didn't allow. So it's you know, life happens. There's something about that play where I would be surprised to see any version that wasn't basically magical there's just yeah. something on the page that in order to in, realized in any capacity maybe if you did it entirely with black boxes it would still be great it i can't still, explain no it. i'm reading this um there's an oral history by angels of america that i'm reading backstage it's easy to pick up and put back down and um it's fascinating because they they go all the way back to the very 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 early readings of it um and it worked on every level it worked when they were doing like student workshops of it at Juilliard. It worked when they were doing it at the Eureka Theater in San, in San Francisco. It worked on Broadway. It worked on HBO. Like, it works on every level. It's just one of those plays that's going to be like, you know, like Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf or Long Day's Journey Tonight. That's going to be something that always works. By the way, Ira, did you see the, um, uh, I guess you wouldn't have been here for it, the Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf with Zachary I, Quinto and uh, Calista. No, I, no I'm, I'm, I missed it. But um, Justin went and saw it. He loved it. Oh, yeah. Uh, and Zachary Quinto. Uh, fabulous. I yeah, mean, uh, it, it was, it was, uh, I was, uh, that needs to be stated if we don't get to it anywhere, anywhere else in this episode. Uh, Go ahead. The, <laughs> the, the book is The World Only Spins Forward, right? Yes. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm quoted in it twice. Oh, Are God. you? That's too bad. I would put that book down. <laughs> uh, go ahead and return that book. If it came to- Burn it. <laughs> it's so interesting. It's so interesting. I love, there's a part where, um, George Wolf and Marsha Gay Harden are wrestling over a wig that she was determined to wear as Harper 
she like put her whole performance into this hair and George is like, you don't need it. And she's like, I need it. You don't need it. I need it. And he rustled it off of her head and she was grabbing for a crying, please give me the wig. And he's like throwing it across the room. He's like, you're not going out there without a wig. It's just fascinating. <laughs> crazy actor. Also, I love it. Marsha Gay Harden, something about she, she to me has like, she's a mixture of like the softness of like a Diane Weist with the gravitas of, uh, uh, Robert Duvall like she comes like there's like a, a hardness to Marsha Gay Harden yes that, this something very specific I, I saw her in an airport um we were traveling in for something and it was right when God of Carnage the movie was coming out mm. and mm. I I asked her if she was gonna go see it and she did it's not gonna work because people this is a podcast but she like she flooded her hand up she went, <laughs> <laughs> that was her response to are you gonna do the movie <laughs> i was like all right i like that, I like that. absolutely uh, not, she was not also that very weird very weird realization of that play if you haven't seen that movie is called carnage with uh jodie foster and uh kate winslet yes, uh-huh. yes. um yeah a yasmin reza classic um yes <laughs> <laughs> um I just side note about Marsha. I just um, worked on um, Uncoupled, um, Neil's new show with her, yes. and um, I want to tell you between takes, she was just reading this book on dreams. And whenever you would talk to her, um, she was like, "Dreams are very important. Um, here's this book. Order it that? and start learning about your dreams." So that's where her headspace is right now. I love it. Yeah. I love it. God, she's so great. I'm so psyched to be off track with you talking about just women of the theater. <laughs> the last time I saw you, Lewis, is when you were on set. You were on our one of our final days of Modern Family with, with, with Jimmy. Oh, my God. And by the way, what an education that was for me. Ira, we did this bit where Jimmy played the documentarian who appears at the end of Modern Family and he had been shooting the mockumentary the whole time Mm -hmm. or whatever. And uh, like we gave I assume we gave the Modern Family cast their scripts, what, milliseconds before or something. And they were just like, look at it, put it down. Go through it three times, do it a different time every time. And every time I was laughing, I was like, wow, stone <laughs> pros. Like people who could not be any better at their job. Well, yeah, after 11 years, we, we hopefully we were pretty good at it at that point. But yeah, that was yeah. fun. That was no, fun. Prime. I mean, it must have been one of the last things you guys did as a cast. Yeah. Because uh, it came out so close to the finale of Modern Family. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. So you're also um, the narrator and executive producer of Gay Pride and Prejudice, um, this new podcast on Spotify. And is it the summer of Pride and Prejudice? Like, did every gay get together and was like, we want to do a Pride and Prejudice adaptation? You got this, you got Fire Island. (laughs) (laughs) I know. And I'm actually I'm actually not the um, the narrator. You you. Your notes are correct because they they messed up. That they put in the press release the, of you being the narrator, but I actually have a I have a role in it. Um, uh, I play. Uh, who do I play? Gosh, I recorded it so long ago. Colin is my my character's name, but it's a it's a pretty fateful adaptation of uh, Pride and Prejudice. It just takes place in 2015, right after marriage equality was legalized. But yeah, it's interesting because in the we saw that Fire Island was coming out, which is you know an adaptation of gay pride or pride and prejudice rather. Um, but it's, you know, it's they're, what I love about, um, about 
uh, oh my God, why am Jane I Austen, Austen? the author's name? Uh, Jane Austen, Jesus Christ, of <laughs> Latter-day Saints. Uh, but I, they're so adaptable. I mean, you know, Clueless, one of the mm-hmm. greatest movies ever adapted from you know, Jane Austen. So like, it's a, uh, it's fun for people who are who are loyalists to Jane Austen, which Zachary Grady, our writer, is because they can sort of see the the parallels and the, um, y- you know, how we've taken her, her work and updated it. But for people who don't know her work at all, like it's still just a great story. So um, I love that that it can be reinterpreted so many times. There's something about her and then Oscar Wilde and also the early reviews of Dorothy Parker where I ask, why is this still so funny? I mean, namely Jane Austen because yeah. it's like 200 years old. It just doesn't make any sense. Why, yeah. can, why is this resonating right. so well? What do you think about it still holds up? Gosh, I don't know. I mean, I think she's just, she's really great at writing relationships. And I think that that's just, you know, something that's always interesting and always maintains, it always maintains interest. Um, and you know, it, I don't know. It's just, it's just great storytelling. I mean, she's got, it's it's sort of timeless. It's kind of like Shakespeare. It's just like, it can be, it can be interpreted and reinterpreted and it, it can withstand, um, you know, different ideas. And it, it does, it doesn't buckle under the, the weight of like a an, 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 an different interpretation, which I just think is no. fascinating. I mean, also she was mostly, you know, sort of like critiquing like the sentimental novels of the time too. So I feel like, you know, when you, when you know right. that it's satire, too, it's like, and she's making fun of the people she was around. Yeah. Like, that's always, that's always yeah. going to endure. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> yeah, for sure. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I mean, case in point. <laughs> oh, but it's very exciting. I'm, I'm, really, I'm really excited for people to, to hear it. And it's also, it's also fun to like go back to the days where like, you know, you, it wasn't possible to to binge things like you had to sort of wait a week before the next episode. Like, do we miss that? I think I kind of miss that. Oh, I I miss eventized anything. So yes, absolutely. Yeah. Things that come out to binge now, I never get around to them anymore, but if something is weekly, I'm actually hooked. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. True. Same. Uh, All right. Well, thank you, Jesse. Yes. Thank you again, Jess. It's also just so good to fucking see you. Thank you for doing this with us. I know you too. Yeah. Love you guys. Um, appreciate you having yeah. me. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. So apparently, um, celebrities are being forced at gunpoint to make TikToks by the record labels. I mean, which is a TikTok I'd want to see. And it is so funny to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, now it's created an entire genre of celebrities just being like, well, you know, like, I'm only here so I don't get fined. Like, right. they're literally just posting TikToks being like, I'm being forced to make a TikTok, which in some way is accomplishing the viral TikTok thing that the label wanted. 
Right. No, guess what I'm talking about? Halsey right now. Guess what I'm usually not talking about? Halsey. Halsey. <laughs> God love the girl, but um is it crazy that to me is Halsey's definitive pop cultural moment is still in a star is born when she says how great while presenting Allie with a Grammy? <laughs> uh I mean my moment is still when um one of the chain smokers tweeted at her fuck you bald bitch. Okay, we still have not uncovered <laughs> what was going on there. Who got a hold of their account if it was just a chain smoker, you know, chain smoking if you will, and letting loose such a crazy strange and unbelievable story. I mean it's uncomfortable. Uh and mostly it's from the thing of like listen, you know, music um is not just sellable now you know like the way that it used to be you know like you have to like you have to like convince 14 year olds and other people to um tgz which is what i refer to gen z as you know tgz the gen z oh uh, <laughs> <laughs> some tgz's around here mm -hmm. um that you have to sort of like get them into a song and that's how you drive a song to number one these days which is like that's the reason why like a candy burris song from um her musical that she her chitlin circuit musical that she did a mother's love called legs hips and body is like trending right now that is just unbelievably bizarre well it's also like why we don't talk about bruno which was i think barely meant to resonate beyond the movie became this macarena sized phenomenon right that and like you then you have the celebrities like like a lizzo who lean all the way in i'm like she will not like it's about damn time i'm like it's about damn time i stop hearing this song <laughs> i actually do like that and song it's been out, yeah. i do like it a lot but i'm like girl every every time i open my phone Someone's performing it. I'm like, how did you get a TikTok on um, the Chase app? I'm just checking my account. <laughs> Imagine like, oh, oh I, I'm in the hole. It's about damn time. <laughs> um, here's, the thing about, like, here's the thing about people being obsessed with getting a viral moment on TikTok. In this particular moment, the app is cool. I'm not saying it won't be cool for another few years or something. I do think there is a shelf life on how relevant this app is. I have the feeling Gen Z will start feeling about TikTok the way they currently feel about Lin-Manuel Miranda, which is to say they, they believe it's for older people and they themselves kind of roll their eyes at it. Because let's just talk about what is actually on TikTok. Do you think seven years from now, you're going to be looking back at you performing the Cabbage Patch while explaining photosynthesis and thinking, oh, that was cool? No, I'm sorry. It is largely the lamest content on the internet. What I actually enjoy about it is that, like, it's almost sort of democratized, like, not fame or just, like, going viral in a sense. Because, like, Instagram was all about looks, you know? Yeah. And... First of all, I miss old Instagram. I know I sound old saying this, but I'm like, I'm sorry. Like, I can't open Instagram now without hearing someone screaming at me now. Like, like a video, like from someone you follow or even one of our fucking friends was like, I'm making like a live video or a reel. I was like, I just, what happened to pictures? Yeah, right. Please. I, uh, I just want to see the pictures. I want vacation slides. I want it boring and I want it narcissistic. That's it. But because of like TikTok and everything, it's like people just get on there and they talk. 
or they make like a funny joke or something. And you know what? It's a lot of ugly people. <laughs> and I love that. And I love it. It's it's democratic, you know? Like, I, I will say on uh, the thing about TikTok is you can obviously sort of algorithmically get to a place where you're what you see every day is one attuned to your interests, but two extremely specific. It's not like Instagram where you like you're just sort of at the mercy of the people you follow and you have to be interested in their ongoing lives because one time you thought they were hot, which I believe is a punishment. Um, so I will give TikTok points there. The amount, of, the, the amount of times I've had to do that, like, force unfollow thing for someone who's like, I met you in 2016. Right. No, I saw you at Revolver Bar. We were screaming over the... Uh, whatever the Janet Jackson montage playing inside and I was just being nice and so were you so let's end this here um but you know like this there's a lot of talk about pretty privilege in the media lately oh my god but, pretty privilege is there a funny pair of words I mean it, it, <laughs> it, I think it does accurately describe something but it's so funny it's uh I'm, I'm sorry I'm not ugly <laughs> um, <laughs> I actually, like someone actually described um, <laughs> someone described the, this is so rude someone described like the pretty privilege um, sort of like mantra as um, when, did, when did social justice turn into bullying people into fucking you <laughs> oh oh my god it's too true it's too true it's, it's people being offended that whatever they're not getting the attention they want when that kind of attention is truly not personal it's like it's not about your soul anyway we can get into this another day but um but tiktok is it's it's democratic because i like i get tiktoks from people who i don't find attractive but like are there <laughs> artists you like watching on tiktok as in they belong there and they create content. Charlie that is, Puth. Oh yeah, I guess so. Yeah, he I think that's TikTok. a good answer. Yeah, he, he like he tweeted like I adore TikTok and it's really opened my eyes as to how music can be made and perceived by the listener. But never compromise your art. Great art that is an extension of you will always rise to the top, even if it doesn't go viral. And I'm like, okay, bitch. But like otherwise, you're just walking around wearing shirts that say cocks on it. <laughs> That is what he's doing. And socks and sneakers. That's sort it's of the like vibe. It's like a parody of what Nick Jonas did. Y yes. Like Nick it's Jonas like, it's like an... it seriously. And I can't tell if this is like a Charlie Kaufman-esque version of like gay baiting. Yeah. It's, it's slightly arch, but also slightly indulging in the exact same things Nick Jonas indulged in. Uh, like, like just photos where like there's a good close up of like his crotch. Right. Yeah, he he does love being shirtless too. You know, I mean, I'm going to support it ultimately. Um, that's his artistic freedom, and also this counts as artistic freedom I'd love in to 2022. Support an album. Yeah, I'd love to support. Yeah, not just these like straggly one song releases that we get every nine months or something. Um, but I guess maybe that's the TikTok thing. It's very. It is funny though that like someone like a Florence Welsh is like being asked to do this, and I, by the way. Maybe I'm part of the problem because I have not listened to the new album yet, but only because I'm waiting to like, I'm waiting to be in the right head. I love Florence. Mm -hmm. I'm waiting to be in the right, like Ceremonials is like one of my favorite fucking albums. Um, I'm waiting to be in the right headspace to to like take her in. I yeah. need to be like wandering like the canals and like Amsterdam or something. Like I need to be like in a field 
No, it's like Kate Bush. You need to be walking around a foggy bog in order to fully appreciate what she's throwing down. Because the problem is, like, we're tired of the, like, one-minute songs. But also, if an album comes out and it is over an hour, I'm like, I need somewhere to sit with this. Right. Ugh, this is homework. I can't just put it on. No. (laughs) Which is exactly what you could do. But anyway. Like, for instance, Carly Rae Jepsen has an album coming out. Does this mean she right now is thinking... All right, I should put on some gray sweatpants and jive to my own songs for hits. Like, is that actually going through her head right now? Probably. Yeah, I feel bad because I'm. I just don't think she's a jiver. Shall we? Sh- shall we say she's too Canadian and polite for that. She, she, she could jump. Uh, she can wail, but she can't jive. <laughs> <laughs> The Brian Setzer uh, triad not completed. Do you even have a TikTok account? No, I, I I think I signed up to watch something at some point. A couple of years ago, my Jeopardy clip had like a, a TikTok moment. And so it was sent to me a lot. I was like, all right, should I maybe get an account? But honestly, I am so happy to opt out. It, it's it's the 35-year-old in me. I love not watching TikTok. If you think love if you think, wa- if you think watching TikTok is fun, you should try what not watching TikTok. Woo. <laughs> I like when people do throwback videos though of like old nostalgic things. Like you could have like maybe someone should have an account that's dedicated just to um posting old clips from your verbal voguing. Oh, right. And who knows if that'll get me canceled. I mean, I haven't watched those videos in 12 years, but yeah. I think your hair would just get me canceled. Well, did you know that supercuts actually routinely are not super? I was not aware at the time. I went on national television. I was a panelist on Chelsea lately with that haircut. Can you believe my life? What was wrong with me? Uh, All right. Well, we're back. Keep it. And we're back for our favorite segment of the episode. As always, it's Keep It. Yes. Lewis, what's yours? My Keep It is in some ways supportive. And I hate a kind of milk toast Keep It, but it's to the Tonys because they have decided to give Angela Lansbury, get this, a Lifetime Achievement Award. Guys, You should be giving her four Lifetime Achievement Awards. It is insane that she would be getting an honor like this now when she is in her, I'm checking my watch, late 90s. This is somebody who was first nominated for an Oscar in the movie Gaslight. That is from 1944. I'm going to let you do a little math. How many years ago is that? It's not 68. It is 78 (laughs) years ago. That is 78 (laughs) years ago. A co-star of Ingrid Bergman and Charles Boyer. And now you're giving her a Lifetime Achievement Award. Guys, you could give Sutton Foster a Lifetime Achievement Award right now. You could give Kelly O'Hara a Lifetime Achievement Award. Lin-Manuel. People who are like my age deserve Lifetime Achievement Awards in in Broadway. And Angela Lansbury getting this now. I'm not saying she doesn't deserve it. Oh, quite, quite contrary. She has five competitive Tonys tied with Julie Harris. The only person ahead of the both of them is Ira. Tonys? Yes. Justin Makita? <laughs> it's not. <laughs> the original Justin Makita, Audra McDonald. Uh, <laughs> who also has a Tony in every category she can compete in, like play, best actress, f- 
featured actress, musical actress, musical supporting actress. Anyway. We'll start writing a play, bitch. I know. Right. That's right. She's capable of that too. You're right. The problem with Audrey McDonald, lazy. That's what I think. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but anyway, I'm psyched that we're going to get Angela Lansbury winning this award at the ceremony. I mean, like the countless amazing I've performances over the year. I've always felt though that I've always felt that we should start giving people that maybe not this late, uh, you know. Um, but I feel like we should start giving people lifetime achievement awards a little bit later in life, or maybe people are just afraid that they'll die. Right. No. Uh, yes, I'm afraid she'll die. She is. Uh, um, she's Eva Marie Saint years old. She's Olivia de Havilland years old. You know, it could happen at any time. <laughs> I always forget that she, one, she's in Gaslight. Yes. And two, um, I always forget that George Secor directed it. Right. Uh, George, uh, one of the the great director of women in quotes, which usually just means gay. You haven't seen the women recently. Uh, Roz Russell in that movie, unforgettable. I would love to ask her, what do you think about the phrase Gaslight becoming a phrase? No, it's weird that the 1944 Best Actress winning film Gaslight became like word of the year in 2016. <laughs> what was it up against? As in for Best Actress? Yeah, in, the, in that year. Yeah, what was it? What The 17th Academy Awards. Um, I'm just imagining... Um, other phrases that could have become like the big word of 2016 wilson what if we just been walking around <laughs> saying wilson <laughs> i i mean I've, i'm not not saying that word so in a way we are or double indemnity i don't think we use the phrase double indemnity enough what a great title by the way we talked about this movie recently but uh yeah remember when movies had titles also i'm looking up the 45 best picture Winners and Gaslight and Double Indemnity lost to Going My Way. Yeah, Bing Crosby. Yep, Bing Crosby. Bing Crosby once had a, a chokehold on. Uh, I was going to say Boomers. No, the, the the Greatest Generation, the Depression era people. Yeah, I thought he. I thought he was just that Christmas bitch. No, right? Who has a rough relationship <laughs> with his kids? Yeah. <laughs> Ira, what is your keep it? Uh, my keep it this week. Um, I'm sorry, gays. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not. This week, <laughs> my keep it this week goes to Nicole Kidman. What did she do? Nicole Kidman is responsible for one of the greatest crimes that has been committed this year. And I'm that thinking. film is Senior Year on Netflix starring Rebel Wilson. Now, I will get to Nicole Kidman's crimes in a second. First... We're going to talk about senior year. Okay. I was sick like a couple weeks ago um, on my deathbed, in fact. Um, so I was like, you know what? Why not watch senior year? Netflix is shoving it down my throat every time I open the app. Um, so I watched it. And let me tell you, this movie is terrifying. Okay. It's... Um, first of all, Rebel Wilson plays a cheerleader who at 17, like... Um, she, she well before seventeen. She she's first of all she's Australian in the film. 
Okay. Uh, so th- no accent, uh, no accent work. Uh, she, her parents move her to the U.S. and she decides that she wants to be popular. You know, like um, all the kids she always imagined in like American high schools. So she like becomes a cheerleader. She steals the popular girl's like um, boyfriend, uh, and then becomes like this bitch of a cheerleader. Uh, and then the popular girl has these other girls um, like mess up um, a stand in a chair, and she falls, and then she falls into a car for 20 years I, I will say I, I do kind of stand the concept of this movie it reminds me of the Joan Rivers written The Girl Most Likely To do you know what that is with Stockard Channing in the yes. se- early 70s and the, the point of the movie is she is a quote unquote unattractive girl and then gets into a, an accident and then they reconfigure her face and then she's beautiful anyway yeah, I mean that is one of my um, favorite genres of things. I mean that what that was the, that was the show um, Insatiable, and then what was um, the Lawyer Show? The lawyer, the, the, the lawyer, the lawyer where where the uh, the fat girl was like hit by like a car or something. Like goes into the body of like her skinny. Oh, friend. drop that diva, drop that diva, iconic TV. Yes, right. Iconic TV. Wow, I should rewatch all of Drop Dead Diva. That show had a chokehold on me. <laughs> um, if you could imagine, of course. Uh, but anyway, she wakes up 20 years later and she's like, you know, almost 40. Um, and she decides she wants to relive her senior year. Uh, but they keep telling her and the audience that, this, that she is mentally 17 years old. Oh, and this so, is disturbing. So it's very weird that her former high school boyfriend and like her best friend from high school um, are both vying for her her romantic attention and the romantic attention of a 17 year old. Okay. It's sort of like, you know how the movie overboard is really problematic. Now imagine if it was worse. Imagine if it was, (laughs) let's, let's add pedophilia to it. Yeah. (laughs) I always love, um, goofy sort of like comedies with a concept where it's like it, it sounds fun at first but then underneath it it's really actually kind of gross yeah you think about it for two seconds and it's shocking yeah the only person who's done that well i think is pedro Almodovar with um tie me up tie me down because yes. it leads into the fact that it is creepy he's kidnapping her he's stalking her right um anyway the move, the movie is sort of a mess, and I might, well, I have so many questions. I'm just sort of like Rebel Wilson. Are we still doing this? Mm-hmm. I do have to say, when Rebel Wilson is in a movie, it's this isn't this doesn't speak well or poorly of her talent, but you do know what you're getting. You know, like it's like exactly that thing. It's weird too because I feel like she started out in Pitch Perfect as sort of like fumbly and loud, right? And yeah. now, like, she's shifted, trying to shift her into, like, romantic lead, sort of, like, movies like this. And, like, isn't it romantic? But, like, it's still with the, like, sort of fumbly loud thing. I don't completely get it. Yeah. And I think she could just go back to Australia. Because the reason she's here in the first place is that Nicole Kidman paid for her scholarship to study acting in America. I I can't believe I didn't know that. And also, is Nicole Kidman just shoving money under tables for like struggling Aussies? <laughs> Here, Margot Robbie, go to Juilliard. 
<laughs> Nicole Kidman's home and away fund. <laughs> um, she she funds like some local Australian actors every year and and sends them away to America. I, I imagine her, yeah, donating to Rebel Wilson. There's a note on it that says, "Don't fuck this up like Mia Wasikowska or something." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, I guess she was one of 16 actors at the Australian Theater for Young People who was offered the opportunity to study in America through um, Nicole Kidman's, um, you know, plan. That is so strange. Do you know who sort of sponsored Alice and Janney at the beginning of her career? Paul, Paul Newman and Joanne Woodward. She went to Kenyon College, where he's an alum of, and they had a really strong relationship. Joanne Woodward, still with us, by the way. Oh, this living Best Actress winner. She went to school in Kenya? Ken- <laughs> no, not Nairobi. <laughs> Kenyon College in Ohio. <laughs> Kenya's own Alice and Janet. Uh, someone started, someone at, uh, at a party on Sunday had beef with you. What do you Me? described what, what what movie is like oh, um, the straight story is like the most beautiful like um imagery of uh, of Iowa ever uh-huh. oh what did they, they say like, field of dreams and they were like yeah they were like Lewis knows it's field of dreams excuse me I've been to that field in Dyersville <laughs> Iowa hello to my friend Jessica Heacock who's from there guys it is just a field I'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> field of field of dreams deferred yeah <laughs> Ooh. Not many people looking like Langston Hughes around those parts, if you know what I mean. <laughs> um, I think that's our show. Yeah. Uh, thanks to Nicole Kidman for everything else she's given us. But Yeah. Um, hot fun in the summertime. Sly and the Family Stone. Oh, that's the song you think is the definitive? Yeah. Don't you feel like that song... Like, I love Sly and the Family Stone. Isn't that one of their dorkier offerings? That's fair. You know, I mean, you know, I was going to say, um, I was going to say Summer Girls by LFO. As all time? Wow. You know right? what? You're going to stick it to Sly Stone just like that. Okay. I don't even like girls from Amber Crombie and Fitch, but that song makes me think I do. Right. Also, it's like the 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 pacing of that song, like the mid-tempo swimmy vibe they really achieve something it there it's not intuitive you wouldn't think a song like that would be a huge hit or lasting yeah and it's sort it's sort of like it's it's very it's very sleepy yeah but in a summary yeah, way mean, that's you know that's the only way white people can rap <laughs> you're right he, he was leaning into shall we say our skill set rich crota was the original jack harlow Mm, okay, discuss internet. Mm, okay, I you know I will agree with dancing in the streets, but I will say, um, you know what, you know, teen movies from our era, you know what their favorite summer song is? Hmm, I don't remember. School's out. Oh my god, every movie is school's out. <laughs> every movie. Uh, I feel like it's even in Scream. It is when they uh, when Principal Dimly cancels school, they start playing School's Out. Yeah. All right. Well, um, keep it out for the summer. Right. Not yet. I'm, we'll be back next week. But um, I'm out of the country for the summer after this episode. Good riddance, bitch. Yeah, I'll be um, I'll, I'll, I'll be Skyping in from islands. 
cute. Which is Shutter f- Island, in fact. Um, my, do you know what island? My, my favorite <laughs> islands reference: Road Rules Islands. Look up that season; they nailed it. My favorite islands reference is that underrated track on Demita Joe. Oh yes, wait, wait I, what's that island song called? Life. Island Life. Yes, yes, yes. Which is also the name of a Grace Jones song or album or something. Yeah. Anyway, moving along. Have a good weekend or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you next week. Keep It is a Crooked Media production. Our senior producer is Kendra James. Our producer is Chris Lord. Our executive producers are Ira Madison III and Louis Fertel. Our editor is Charlotte Landis and Kyle Seglin is our sound engineer. Thank you to our digital team, Matt DeGroote, Nar Malconian, and Delon Villanueva for production support every week. For over 130 years, McCormick has helped you make mom's lasagna to keep her secret recipe alive. Take over taco night. No matter how chaotic your day is. Conquer the bake sale, even if you get to it last minute. And craft the perfect Sunday brunch when it's not even Sunday. Because with McCormick by your side, it's going to be great.